0: Hello everybody. Welcome back to Sports by the Hour. Today we have uh, Ethan Chap, Matthew Schwab, and Evan Sulek, and uh, we're gonna do a uh, three-game analysis of Week 14, and trouble start.
1: So the first game, and uh, the game that I'm going to cover, is the Baltimore Ravens against the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Um, this was. This was a huge game for both teams. Um, a lot of team, a lot of people saw it as a bigger game for the Ravens. In the end, though, as they ended up clinching a playoff berth, uh, which is huge, especially because it's this early and they still had time to clinch the division and the conference. Um, this was another fantastic game by Lamar Jackson. Uh, Buffalo this year has been known for having one of the most stout defenses in the NFL, if not the best defense in the NFL. Um, And Lamar still went out there, put up 16 out of 25 uh, for 145 yards, three touchdowns and uh, an interception with a quarterback rating of 102.5. Josh Allen uh, didn't play his best game. Uh, He had 17 completions on 39 attempts for 146 yards and one touchdown with a quarterback rating of 62.6. But... Uh I do want to talk about Buffalo's defense and also Lamar Jackson because I heard uh people talking on ESPN about something that kind of caught my eye and made me think and I I do have to agree with it. Um first off, the Buffalo defense has been absolutely fantastic this year coming into the year. Um what what I have at least realized is that this is kind of like a classic Bill Belichick team. They're a team of guys that you don't that you wouldn't expect to be the best in the league or even even very much above average but they get the job done. The Bills have been very 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 strong and have been very good competitors this year. But they don't have guys like Lamar Jackson. Uh like it it honestly kind of puzzles me how they can take what I consider to be a group of average players and make them Strong playoff contender. Um, the second thing that oh, that, that also results from fantastic coaching. Uh, great coaching, Sean McDermott. Um, on the Ravens side, the thing with Lamar Jackson, I heard people talking on ESPN, and I forget exactly who said it, but Lamar Jackson doesn't get passing yards. Actually, he doesn't even get completions either. But for some reason, he's putting up three, four, five touchdowns a game, and that is fantastic. It it just proves that yards aren't everything. You can make the most out of just the little opportunities. You can get Lamar Jackson will get one opportunity throwing the ball on a drive, and he'll make the most of it. He'll get that 10-yard play down the field, or he'll get a touchdown. He's making the most of his opportunities. Evan's looking at me kind of weird right now. I feel like he's disagreeing with me. But it, I kind of had to think about it, and I do see it. Lamar makes the most of the opportunities that he gets because he doesn't throw the ball nearly as much as other quarterbacks who put up stats like him. So that's my take on the, on the Ravens-Bills game. Ravens won
2: 24-17. Okay, the reason I was looking at him weird was because he said yards are not everything. Yards are the game. Yards are how you get to the end zone. Yards are how you progress up the field. Whether it's through rushing or passing, I worded, it doesn't I worded matter. That
1: poorly. I worded that poorly,
2: okay? Yards are the game. I'll now, a lot it. of the time, Lamar was given the ball in enemy territory because of our def- of the Baltimore defense being able to lock down. But the main thing I saw from this Buffalo team was an O-line that struggled to stop one man. The O-line struggled to stop Matthew Judon. From getting in Josh Allen's face and racking up four sacks. No, it was not even no, no uh, no, two. No. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Two sacks and a lot of pressures. And also, Josh Allen had two fumbles on the day. He only lost one, but it was two fumbles on the day. And he was 17 for 39. Um, Josh Allen did overthrow a lot in the game, but I think it's a lot attributed to a defender being in his face for almost h- over half the plays.
0: Uh, my thoughts on this game was uh, for the Bills. I just have like a quick little insight. Um, when I watched this game, Josh Allen uh, struggled with accuracy on the deep ball. Now, in his defense, it was a windy game and a windy day. But I thought it was interesting that uh, John Brown and uh, Beasley had um, they had the Ravens' uh, very good secondary beat uh, on the deep ball. And uh, I think if they were able to connect and take advantage of that, uh, the this game could have been really, really different. Um, now, for my takeaway over the Ravens is more of an overall takeaway. Um, after this game uh, and them beating the Bills, the Ravens over their last seven games have beat five playoff teams consisting of the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Patriots, the Texans, and now the Bills, which um, in some way, shape, or form, other than the, the Saints, these are all teams that people are picking to go to the Super Bowl. And the uh, sixth team that wouldn't have made the playoffs is the Rams, who are at this point – one game out of the uh, playoff in the NFC wildcard race. So over the last seven games, the Ravens have beat five playoff teams and one just outside of the playoffs, and that's pretty much as hard as you can get, and that's uh, that's just pretty impressive at this point in the season.
2: Um, I have one more. This is, like, what I got out of the game for the Bills. I think they need to go out and draft a star wide receiver because – Although yes, they were getting open downfield. A lot of times they were they were short down and they would catch a five-yard dump but not be able to convert it into more yards. So I think they need to be able to get. It's obviously a lot easier said than done, but you I think they need to go out and go for a reach and try to get a, a strong wide receiver. Um,
0: also going into the 2020 draft, like Evan's talking about, this is a great uh, wide receiver draft with like uh, Jerry Judy. C.D. Lamb and T. Higgins, so that could definitely be a possibility for them next year.
2: Yeah, next All right. For the next game, we'll be talking about the San Franciscan 49ers at the Saints, New Orleans Saints. Uh, the 49ers came out on top, 48-46. to 46, And uh, obviously, this was a big, this was a shootout game, probably, quote-unquote, the game of the year. Uh. From what I got out of this is where were the defenses? <laughs> uh the San Francisco 49ers defense that has was has been their pride and joy whenever their offense has struggled was nowhere. Um they were not getting the breeze, and they were not cover the coverage was deplorable on whoever was guarding Michael Thomas. Cause I don't know whatever route he, whatever routes he was doing. I'm still baffled how he was wide open every single time he goes out for a route. Uh, I just you uh, even though the the, sh- the screen wouldn't even show you Michael Thomas, whenever Drew Brees threw it, there was like a fifty-fifty chance it was going to Michael Thomas. Um, I also want to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo and Drew Brees had almost identical games. Now Jimmy Garoppolo did get one less touchdown and one more interception, but uh he still had a great game with 349 yards, 26 for 35, four touchdowns and one interception, while Drew Brees had 29 for 40, 349 yards, and five touchdowns. So that was good. And I also want to talk about the rushing game. Uh, the fourth string for the San Francisco 49ers had 10 carries, 69 yards, and one touchdown. And Latavius Mary, a second string who has been a starter almost his whole career, Got seven carries for 69 yards, and that that's good. He should have touched the ball more, but it's just surprising how deep the San Francisco 49ers rushing core is. It doesn't matter who they have out there. I think it's just the play calling and the coaching that is just leading this San Francisco rushing game. Uh, I also want to talk about Avin Kamara. What happened? Where was he? He got 13 carries for 25 yards. Averaging 1.9 a, c- a carry. For me, this was just... For me, this was just a lockdown. And I don't understand... Obviously, it's the same San Francisco 49ers D-line. But they were not getting to the quarterback. So they had great run defense. But when it came to the quarterback, it just wasn't there. And I just think this was a battle of the offenses and the defenses stayed on the bus.
1: Now, uh, I do have another point on the game. Uh, well... Not really another point, but this is something that I'm all that I'm agreeing with Evan on. Um, but I'm gonna add a little bit on to that. This game shows just how dominant and reliant the Saints have been on Michael Thomas this year. Uh, I mean, if you look at, if you look at the stats, Michael Thomas had eleven eleven catches that game. Drew Brees had twenty nine completions. That is almost half of Drew Brees' completions went to Michael Thomas. He was their leading uh receiver in receptions that game with 11. The second highest was four for Ted Ginn and Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara, all of his completions were out of the backfield. He had four catches for 18 yards. Ted Ginn, four catches for 50 yards. Michael Thomas, 11 catches for 134 yards and a touchdown. That is is insane. If you cannot figure out how to stop, and San Francisco's defense Everybody knows how good they are, especially their secondary. Their secondary has impressed me a lot this year. And they still couldn't stop Michael Thomas. The entire game, the ball went to Michael Thomas, and they couldn't stop him. That is fantastic. However, I do want to talk about uh, one of the lower-key stars of the game uh, in Emmanuel Sanders, who had seven receptions for 157 yards, averaging 22.4 yards per catch and one touchdown. Including a 75-yard touchdown uh, reception, um, he this year this year he's been very 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 good. Um, this year, Emmanuel Sanders has he kind of fell off for a brief period of time, but I feel like this year he's had a very solid rebound year and has been able to make a make quite a name for himself uh, playing on this new revamped 49ers team.
2: Um, I have one more thing to say. If I'm the Saints, if I'm the New Orleans Saints coach right now, tackling. <laughs> Work on tackling. Get the fundamentals down because they look like the Ravens on week f- – when did we play the Browns? Four. Four. Week four against the Browns. We could not tackle Nick Chubb. Hey,
0: Tony Jefferson.
2: <laughs> and it showed when they went to go tackle George Kittle on that last play. It was three of them on his back, and it took a face mask and a blow of the whistle to take him down. Uh, if I am the Saints coach, uh, they're, they're tackling every single, in practice they're tackling because they, it was just nothing but miss, miss tackles, miss opportunities.
0: Um, well, before I get to my points, the one thing on Schwab, he said, point out Emmanuel Sanders, uh, he also threw for a touchdown on one of those nice little trick plays oh and God, yeah. And I just, yeah, that was just really impressive. And I want to make sure we said it. That was a very impressive play. Um, my takeaway over this game, uh, I didn't catch much much of this game. I saw the highlights and everything, but my overall takeaway was the 49ers. Uh, coming to this game, they were on a three-week span of playing three straight divisional leaders. They played the Packers at home, at the Ravens, and at the Saints. Um, they killed the Packers on the Sunday night game when most people had either it was 50-50 or the Packers winning the game. They won 37-8, to showing clearly that... There's two different tiers in the NFC with the 49ers and the Saints on top and everyone else trying to catch up. Then they went to at Baltimore and then at New Orleans. Both of these stadiums are incredibly hard to play in. And the fact that they went two – they won two out of these three games and the only – yeah, the only game they lost was, against was in Baltimore in a rain game when Justin Tucker, the best kicker in the league, made a last-second field goal. That is in a super – super impressive three game stretch for the uh, the 49ers and it just shows that even on the road this team can go toe to toe with honestly the, the the two best teams in both divisions AFC and NFC they can go to their home and either win last second or lose last second that's pretty impressive
2: um, I have one more thing to say this is like building onto like how the playoff picture for 49ers the fact that they're going that they have a chance of being the fifth seed is ridiculous. The Forty ers are eleven and two, and they're going into the playoffs as a potential fifth seed.
0: Um, they have their chance to play Seahawks again, and they can beat Seahawks in the last week of the week, uh, last week of the yeah week seventeen. They play Seattle again, and I think is it at Seattle or is it yeah it's at Seattle? But I still think they could do it. So. And the last game we're going to talk about uh, for week 14 is the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. This was Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes' third time meeting up. They met up twice last year, once in the regular season and once in the AFC Championship game. Um, I was super excited for this game. Uh, I picked Mahomes. I did not think the New England Patriots' offense could hang with the Chiefs and their high-scoring offense um, in the game. Mahomes completed 26 out of his 40 pass attempts for 283 yards. He threw for one touchdown and one interception. Tom Brady completed 19 out of his 36 completions for 169 yards with one touchdown and one interception. And he had a QBR rating of 63.3 and Patrick Mahomes had a QBR rating of 83.6. Uh it was a fairly I mean it was a fairly low scoring game, 23 to 16 for these two teams. Um I want to talk about the Chiefs' rushing attack even though they tried to feed uh, LaShawn McCoy and they tried to get a, dou- a bunch of different people um, involved, even Tyree Kill and Spencer Ware, they had 29 carries for 76 yards. That's just for average of 2.6 yards. They're trying their best, but they're not getting much out of it. Um, also with New England, I thought the Kansas City defense played very well, but I also think it's due to the fact that the Patriots offense, uncharacteristically has been struggling majorly this year. Um, Tom Brady has shown a digress this season. Now, I think that once we get to the playoffs, it is Tom Brady, so I'm sure they'll figure something out. But as of right now, it's been kind of scary bad for the Patriots offense. But the biggest takeaway for me in this game is the Chiefs had a 20-7 lead at halftime. And they ended up winning just barely by twenty-three to sixteen by seven. The last two times these teams played, the Chiefs didn't even score a touchdown in the first half. This time it was the opposite. They got off to a fast start. And then towards the end, they couldn't really close the door all the way. I was a little nervous of how close this game got. There was a few bad calls that New England threw riots about, but they've gotten calls their whole entire their whole entire time in their their dynasties so far. But Moving forward, I if they play again in the playoffs, I will take Kansas City again because of how dynamic and how good Patrick Mahomes is in scoring the football. But I just thought the end of this game was too close. Um, the Patriots, even with a blocked a uh, punt and um even with the blocked punt at the end of this game, still couldn't even manage to tie it and force it overtime. And I just think that I just think that shows that how how much better the Chiefs' offense can be at this point in the season, and I would take them moving forward again.
1: I kind of want to talk about uh, one thing, and that's the Patriots' <laughs> offense. Their their defense is fine. Uh, playing against Patrick Mahomes and being able to contain the Chiefs' offense, uh, which is by which other than the Ravens is possibly the most explosive offense in the NFL. It's not an easy task containing Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill those guys. Um, the Patriots offense, Tom Brady, 19 completions, 169 yards, averaging 4.7 yards per completion. That is horrible. That is horrible. One touchdown, one interception, a quarterback rating of 63.3. That is horrible. That's awful. Julian Edelman. This is where I get worried. Also, another thing that I get worried about. uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Julian Edelman. Eight catches for 95 yards and a touchdown. That is a good game. But I'm worried that the Patriots are relying too much on Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman is not that big receiver who can continuously take big hits every play. Yeah, He's not that big player who can take hit after hit week after week. And if they keep on relying purely on him for the next couple years... He is not going to be playing football at least not at a high level or the level that he's been at. They are single-handedly killing Julian Edelman's body right now. I mean they they put him out there and they tell him to go get hit. That that that's all that they do. They it's bad. I don't like it. I Julian Edelman is a fantastic football player, but he's he shouldn't be your number 1. He shouldn't be the guy to go out there and take every hit on every pass play that's what i'm worried about i'm worried that they're in a sense taking away parts of julian edelman's career um also their rushing game is god awful james white was their leading rusher uh in that game six carries for 33 yards uh and zero touchdowns who was their second leading rusher tom brady two rushes for 20 yards Imagine Tom Brady being your second leading rusher on your team. Imagine 42-year-old Tom Brady nearly having as many rushing yards as your your team's leading rusher that game. That is atrocious. The the Patriots offense has been in shambles this entire year, and a lot of it has to do with chemistry going on, chemistry issues between Brady and Belichick. Um, A lot of it has to do with Systems not working out. People figuring out how to stop New England. Um, New England needs to figure something out. Um, but as of right now, they're they were at everybody's list for Super Bowl favorites at the start of the year, but at this point, they're they're gone.
0: Before you hop in, Evan. Um, one thing I want to say is actually I want to like like shout out to the play of Tyran Matthew. Over this game, um, I know he did drop, I think, two deep passes, but he he was all over the field, making all kinds of plays. He's he. This is the first time we've seen the Honey Badger since his rookie his rookie seasons. Arizona. Yeah, since Arizona, not the Texans, Honey Badger. This is the first time we've actually seen him get back to him old self, and it's been great to watch because especially just giving the Chiefs a little bit of life
2: on defense.
1: All
2: right, I have to disagree with Schwab on the Julian Edelman case Julian Edelman is a Super Bowl MVP he's been to the pro pro Bowl many times the he has to be your number one he's your he is a star by himself he's a great wide receiver so the fact you can't just say he shouldn't be a number one yes he shouldn't be getting the passes and the routes that he does but he is your man you know that when you throw it to him odds are that that's going to be in his hands and it's going to be a catch but on the on the Topic of New England uh, receiving wide receivers. I want to talk about Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry, I feel, is the future. I think Nikhil Harry is the future of the of the Patriots. He l- just reminds me too much of Calvin Johnson. You throw it to him deep in the end zone, he's going to catch it. You throw it to him on a five yard slant, he's going to make fifteen yards out of it. He, if they if they continue, if they give the ball more times to him. He will show that he is this first-round wide receiver that they drafted. And I also want to talk about the uh, the touchdown that was taken back from him. He made that play. He did not step out of bounds, and he deserved that touchdown. Yes, it was a missed call. So then it was, it was a call that probably cost Patriots the game, but it happens. So at the end of the day, you can't really fight on it. But it was he did get uh, shammed out of a touchdown. and. It was a great play at that, and it just shows his physicality and want to play the game.
1: All right, so I'm just going to clarify on what I said about Julian Edelman being number one. Uh, I whispered it to Ethan while Evan was talking. Um, He deserves to be the number one for the Patriots, but he's built like a slot receiver, if you kind of see what I'm saying. He's not – Nikhil Harry is built like a number one receiver. Nikhil Harry is like that – like guys like Josh Gordon with that type of – Bill are meant to be the guy <laughs> don't want to say Josh Gordon, but I'm gonna say Josh Gordon because he's a he's an example and he's in the news right now. Alright. Alright. <laughs> Guys like him, DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones are built to be like those number one receivers that take those hits.
0: So um I just wanna um talk about Nikhil Harry as well. Nikhil Harry is um my favorite uh wide receiver out of this draft class. Um I really wanted the Ravens to take him. Um, I understand why they took Marquise Brown because of the speed factor he gets. But I think Nikhil, Nikhil Harry, has the, if you can say healthy, has a possibility, like Evan said, to be like a Calvin Johnson, to be an all-time great. Um, I, was, I, I don't understand why he doesn't get more than one reception a game, and I hope to see that change in the future. But um, the way this offense is running, nothing has really worked. The only saving grace they have, I think, for this playoffs is to live and die through Nikhil Harry because he gives them – an X-factor on the outside, which Tom Brady can use, especially in the red zone, uh, without Gronk and his the players that he's had before. So Nikhil Harry could be really, really good for this team, and I'm excited to see where the, the rest of the season and the playoffs goes for the Nikhil Harry.
2: Uh, I also want to talk about, on the Patriots wide receiving core, I do not like how much they throw the ball to Mohamed Sanu. He is not as good as they, as they are relying on him to be. They're having him run 50 yards downfield, go out for a long ball, and then drop it. So bad. I don't understand why they're doing that. I understand that he's a deep threat, but when your deep threat can't catch the ball, your deep threat can't block, your deep threat can't run the routes that he is supposed to, why do you keep feeding him the ball when you could be feeding it to Nikhil Harry or Edelman? Hey, Robbie Anderson. I mean, yes, they're feeding it to Edelman, but you could be having Edelman run these routes where he's not getting hit over the middle every single time by a linebacker. And you could have Nikhil Harry running these routes. He's going to body whatever cornerback is on him. I just feel like it's not sensible. You can't blame it on Bill. (laughs) You can't blame it on Belichick because he's trying to do the most of what he has. But to an extent, you have to know what wide receivers are the best for your team and what wide receivers will have the future and be the future for you.